If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, you turn to 1 John chapter 4. And uh, you know we are coming down to the last two chapters of 1 John. And um, it's been a great little study here through this little pastoral epistle uh, written by the Apostle John, um, written by the, uh, the, the disciple whom loved Jesus, and we have journeyed quite a way uh, through this little letter, and we have uh, four, uh, four more messages, this one, then three more. I'm going to preach one more on uh, chapter four tomorrow, I mean next Sunday, and then I'm going to, uh, Mr. Pastor Josh is going to preach one in chapter five, and then I'm going to close this in chapter five in the next week, and then we're going to be going to Jonah. So uh, we're going to be talking about Jonah for a couple of weeks, and then we're going to get into a family series, and uh, I was going to do the family series early, but I just need a little more time preparing that. Uh, I... Uh, don't quite have it all figured out yet. When I first started preaching, I had uh, five sermons about children, and then I had children. Now I have no sermons about raising children. So still trying to figure that one out. But when I get it figured out, hopefully by the time fall rolls around, we'll, we'll have it figured out to be able to teach some truth from God's Word. But as you know, this little series here has been great because we started out with a series of the goal of uh, being sure of our salvation, to be assured of the truths that God has showed us in the Bible or through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And more specifically, even here, John was encouraging these believers, but he was also rebuking the false teachers that had come along to, uh, to, to, to deceive, to trick those who were following after Christ and trying to lead people astray, trying to keep them from having joy and power and strength in their salvation. And so the same goal John had was the same goal we had. We wanted to come to the end of this little letter with confidence and assurance of who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ has done for us in our salvation so we can have confidence and assurance to live a victorious Christian life with joy and power and full of the Spirit. And I hope as we've made this little journey that we have really uh, understood that and progressed in our confidence and our assurance in our salvation. And, uh, you know, when I was in college, I was finished up going to school after playing football, and I had a couple semesters um, that I was finishing out. And so me uh, getting a business degree, me and my friend decided we were going to start a thriving boiled peanut uh, business. And so uh, we got the equipment, we got the location, I went to the little county courthouse and got the, the official business license of M&O Peanuts. And uh, at first, we really didn't make a lot of profit. Um, we were eating most of it because we were waiting for people to come buy the peanuts. And so we were like, should we test them again? Are they still good? Are they still good? And so after several weeks of not having a lot of success, we decided to move over to the Walmart parking lot. And in a small town in central uh, western Alabama, that was the best decision we ever made. One, because it's like class A people watching, all right? Uh, there were <laughs> sights that I saw in that little Walmart parking lot that's been etched in my mind uh, for the rest of my life. But also, there was a lot of people there, and there was a lot of people there that started to uh, come to buy our peanuts. And it immediately picked up in sales. And I can remember the last day I was there before we went on Christmas vacation uh, that year, my senior year, uh, there were, we made a profit of $300 in one day. I was so proud. We were so proud. We did our split as 150. That's where the education comes in right there, okay? <laughs> they taught us that at the University of West Alabama. 300, half is 150. We were cleaning up and uh, about to leave. This gentleman stops by, he gets out of his car, he looks at me and he looks at my friend, he says, man, I'm in a bad way. 
I need some money to help pay some bills. And I thought, oh boy, here we go. All right. He said, but I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to get, just get money from you. He says, I got a, a gold chain I want to sell. And I thought, okay, you got a gold chain you want to sell. You have some bills you have to pay. And I looked over in his car and his kids looked so pitiful. They were looking through the window like, hope dad gets the money to pay the bills. And it didn't really pique my interest because, you know, I don't like jewelry. But however, I have a dad who, (laughs) you thought I was going to say mom, but I have a dad who really likes jewelry. And uh, the thought came to my mind, I'm going home for Christmas I could buy him this gold chain. And when he pulled this gold chain, I'm telling you, like, you could tow a truck with this gold chain. I mean, it was, it was huge. And I was thinking, man, this is, this is wonderful. But I said, is it real? And so the guy shows it to me. And I look over his kids. They got the little pitiful look on their face. And he's saying, I swear on my mama's life that it's, the, it's real. It's not fake. And he, I said, okay, how much money do you want? Are you ready for this? $150. I thought, oh, Lord, this is it. It's just the Lord had put this together for me to get a, 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 a gift for my dad. And this man needs $150 to help pay his bills and look at his pitiful children. And what are the chances of me standing here and giving it? So I bought it. Sure enough, I traveled home. I gave it to my dad. He was really excited about it, somewhat. And he started wearing it for a couple of days. And there's big green lines started uh, <laughs> forming around his neck. And the chain started turning black and greenish gold. And yep, it was a fake. All right. It was not real gold. I had been duped. I had been scammed. And uh, he had a great story. He had some pitiful looking kids. I had $150. It seemed that all was exactly and right, but he had scammed me. And from that point on, I learned a very valuable lesson. Things and people are not what they always say they are, and they don't always do what they say they're going to do. Well, when you open up chapter 4 here, you see John is going to tell us the same thing true is, is true in Christianity. Not everyone who says they are a Christian teacher is a Christian teacher. Not everyone who says they believe in the Bible really believes in the Bible. Not all teachings, not all pastors, not all churches, not all denominations are what they say they are. There, there are those who uh, we need to look and identify as false or phony. And in Christianity, it's the same way. We need to be sure that we're sure that we don't get duped, that we don't get scammed, that we don't get to the end of our life or build our faith, which is, which is the most important thing we can do, which lasts for eternity and realize we've been scammed or realize that we have been duped. So John begins chapter 4 with an admonition. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. I hope you have your Bible there. If not, you can mark it and go back and look or write it down. It says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Verse 4, you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us, and he who is not of God does not hear us. But this is, this is we, this is, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So first, the admonishment. 
The first verse. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. The admonishment is for you and for me to stop trusting and to start testing. He says, do not. He, he is specifically telling them straight up, do not believe every spirit. Do not believe every message. Do not believe everything that you're being taught. And he says, for every spirit that is there, he says, you must test it. Do not believe it. You say, why would John say that? Because he says, many false prophets has been sent out into the world, has been sent out. Now, I don't know how many is many, but if there was a lot then that John was concerned about in the first century church, could you imagine how many John would say is in the church today or how many is in Christianity today? I'm sure there are far more today than there was then. And John proclaims, do not believe every spirit. And you ask yourself, am I easily influenced? Am I easily influenced in what I believe and what I hear and what I hear proclaimed by many uh, people who's around me? You say, how many is many? I don't know. But as we look to everything we look in Christianity, are we, pers are we persuaded by personalities? There are a lot of preachers who have great personalities. They sound like the real deal. They smile when they preach. They look you in the eye and you would believe it 100%, but you don't listen to what they say. You're just looking at their personality. And then there are some who, as you know, um, that come that not only personalities, but they have styles or they have physical gifts with a great voice or a, a great uh, presence. And, and a lot of times we don't pay attention to what they say. We just see how we feel. Because in our culture, we've placed more value on our feelings than we have on truth. We could listen to some preacher preaching and say, that was boring. Well, let me tell you, if he was preaching the truth, then that's what matters more than anything else. It doesn't matter what he says. It doesn't matter how he says it. It matters what he says. And for us as Christians, even today, and even then, John says, many of these false teachers are in the world. Do not believe every spirit. You say, well... Are you saying we should be cautious and leery of every teaching and teachers, even pastors and friends and coworkers who say they're Christian? Absolutely. That's what John is saying. He's saying everyone who says they are a Christian, everyone who says they are, they are a part of God or, or teaching this message, be, be, be sure you test them. Be sure that you do not believe every single one of them. So you say, well, where are these teachings found? Well, they're found in churches. Yes. They're found in schools, yes. They're found in the government, yes. They are found in entertainment, yes. The message is true. It goes through every part of our culture. And if everyone who says they're a Christian is teaching God's word, that's fine. But we know, John says, that's not the case. Not every one of them is going to come out and say, hey, I'm a false teacher. I'm trying to teach your kids about gender identity. I'm just trying to help them out. No, don't believe every spirit. Don't believe every truth that comes along. He, and John is saying, don't do it even if it looks Christian, or even if they say they're trying to help in social circles. As you see, these, uh, these, these deceivers are cloaked in darkness. Jesus said that they were like uh, uh, sheep in wolves' clothing. You, you have to understand that do not trust in everyone, but test the spirits. Say, well, what does testing mean? Well, this is what we call spiritual discernment. Spiritual discernment is understanding what is right and what is understanding what is wrong. Just like you have to do that with everything in the world. You have to understand what is right and you have to understand what is wrong. He's saying here in spiritual things and matters, you have to discern the spirits. 
You have to decide, is this true or is this false? And let me just say here, as we think about this a little bit, and let's just admonish myself a little bit, and maybe you as well. As Christians in our country, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. I know we come and we celebrate the 4th of July and we celebrate America, but we are living in a post-Christian world. We are under serious attack. And let me tell you, they're not just attacking the values or certain things. They're, they're attacking God. They're attacking the principles of Christians. And it won't be long until they move past just the formality of those things and get really to the truth of what they want. They want God's word. They want God's, he, they want God's people. They, they want us to fall asleep. They want us to, to, lay, to, be lay, to just lay aside. And the devil and the workers, his workers are arguing. He's got us fighting and got us ignoring certain things. And we think, ah, not a big deal. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. And we're swallowing lies and letting our culture and our families plunge into moral collapse. And for us as Christians, we ought to know better. That's what John was telling these first century Christians. That's what he would tell us today. Wake up. You got to test the spirits. Don't be, don't just send your kids to school and expect they're going to teach them about God. Don't just send your kids to a Christian camp and think they're going to come back closer to the Lord. Don't just do these things and think that you're just going to spiritually absorb all these things. He's saying, you got to be prepared. You got to wake up. You got to be the one that takes the, takes these spirits and tests them and, and take these things and admonish ourselves and do not accept the lies and do not accept the false teachings. It's our job to discern these things. It's our job to tell us that we detach the truth from our feelings. Listen, there's a lot of things that we do in our culture and that we're put pressure on just because of the way we feel. We got to live by our truth. We got to live by God's word. And as we tag on those things and we join in these things and we let our kids participate in things, in these things, then all of a sudden they start bringing home or start acting that way. And you think, where did you get that from? They got that because we were asleep as parents, because we let them go places and talk to people and have things in their life that shouldn't be there because we didn't discern it. We didn't say that's not of God. We didn't say we, it was our job to do those things. And for us as a Christian, it's our job to make sure we discern those things. That way it doesn't get a grip on my life. It doesn't get a grip on my marriage. It doesn't get a grip on my kid's life. And we got to wake up. And John is saying, wake up. He admonishes us. Listen, do not believe every spirit. He says, discern them as Christians. Wake up and start discerning. And for us, it's, it's very, it's for us, it's a great challenge because too many of us, like I said, have fallen asleep. We, we, we've allowed too many people to stand up and speak what they think is right and what is truth. And we know better. We know better. I know better. You know better. Our church knows better. And that's why we got to wake up and we got to just not ship our kids off and just not ship our grandkids off and just not listen to what they say. We need to discern those things. Listen, kids need parents for a reason. The kids don't raise the parents. The parents have the godly uh, command from God to raise your children, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's our job. And we are to discern those things for our homes and our families. And then here at church, we are to discern those things as well. That's why we come and we should test the spirits to know what is right and what is wrong and discern it. But not only wake up and ready to discern and do not believe every spirit, but he says, here's how you will know this. Here's the criteria. So we, we are admonished to test every spirit, but yet he gives us the criteria by to test it by. Look at verse 2. He says, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, 
which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Look, we're not left in the dark. We're not told to go do it on our own. No, we, we are sinful. We, we have a tendency to lead ourselves away. Sometimes we do get duped. Sometimes we do get scammed. But when we follow the criteria, when we follow our guidebook, right? We're not left in the dark. He says, you must discern. And he says, here's the criteria for the discernment. You will know it is the Spirit of God. Uh, by this, you, will, you can know. He says, if you apply this test and you use this, you will know if it is from God or it's not of God. So we don't have to be left in the dark. We don't have to guess. We can go to it and we can know it for sure. And he says, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh and every spirit does not confess that Jesus Christ has come is not in the flesh is not of God. John, as we know, was he was confronting a specific uh, false teaching group, right? They were called the Gnostics. I know I spelled it wrong a few times, but I'm trying to redeem myself, all right? It's G-N-O-S-T-I-C-S, all right? It was the Gnostics. And the Gnostics were teaching that Jesus Christ could not have been of the flesh. Because if he was of the flesh, he would have been evil, and there was no way God would ever have an evil flesh. Well, we know that was just a false teaching because the Bible is true. It tells us that he was born of the Virgin Mary. That's why we celebrate the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, that he was the sinless son of God and he took on flesh. He was born of the Virgin Mary and he was part of flesh and he was part God. He was, he was all flesh and he was all God. He was not just the son of God and the son of man. He was both. He was the God man in one flesh and in one spirit. And for us, as we look to this, if someone does not or, or does something does not confess Jesus Christ as a son of God, it is great. We can mark it down. It's a false teaching that if they come to the conclusion that Jesus Christ is not the savior of the world, if we come to the conclusion, they come to the conclusion that by faith and trust in Christ alone is the only way to salvation, then we know it's not a fault. We know it's a false teaching. That's why when we think about in our core beliefs that we believe he was physically born, we believe that he, was, he took on flesh as the son of God. He lived a life that was sinless and he died on a cross, not for his sins, but for our sins. And he was resurrected to prove that he had lived that life and he lives with God in eternity. He was the God man, period. And this example as well is great as we see this specific example, but the principle we can derive out of this is even, even greater. Not only are we just talking about just one example of this specific false teaching, but what John was specifically uh, confronting here, he moves on as we can apply to these other verses and how we talk about Scripture and we talk about the Word of God. Do we not hold a Bible in our hand now? Do we not have the Bible, the Word of God, that not only tells us just about Jesus Christ, but tells us about all things in our life? Now we have a guidebook. Now we have Scripture in our hands, and it's a principle for us to learn that we can take it to the Word of God. And anything that opposes or teaches contrary to the Word of God is a lie. That's what John says. Test it from the Word of God, and if it's not of the Word of God, then have nothing to do with it. You know why you have nothing to do with it? It's from the Antichrist. It's from the devil. It's from the world system. Have nothing to do with it. That's why the principle for us is so true. That's why we love here at Petra Baptist Church to teach from God's word. We believe this is God's message. We believe this is his truth. We must realize this is truth and there's lies. Uh, and that's all there is. There's what God's word says. There are truths and the rest is lies. 
And listen, when we get to the scripture and we get to the things about God's word, we realize that when we uh, hear God's word, we understand the way of salvation, the type of salvation, and whose salvation is. Somebody's having a good time over there, aren't they? Looks like already celebrating. Uh, what God's word says in a way of salvation, think about it. We get to the Bible. There are no gray areas in the Bible. When it comes to salvation, when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, there may be gray areas in people. There may be in gray areas in people who read the Bible, but there's no gray areas in the Bible. God's word says there is one way of salvation. It's through the name of Jesus Christ. It is that he is the way, the truth, and the life, period. There's no gray area and there's no wiggle room there. And what God calls sin is sin. There's no wiggle room there. He spells it out. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means I'm a sinner. That means you're a sinner. That means your spouse is a sinner. You can say amen on that one, right? The amen. Yeah, we know that spouse is a sinner. We know the kids are a sinner, especially when they act like your spouse, right? We know they're sinners. You have sinned. I have sinned. God says we've all sinned. We, we're not good. We are sinners. And because of that sin, we have to come into relationship with Jesus Christ. And as we test those spirits, when we hear things like, just try to be a good person, just listen to your heart, do this and do those sound good. But when you really look at God's word, you know they're air. It's not truth because we are sinners and we need Jesus Christ. We are dead in our trespasses in our, in our, in our trespasses and sins. We don't need to try harder or join a church or get baptized. We need to get saved. We need to get born again. That's what the word of God says. And for us to go along and say, well, if you try harder, do better, or do better things, that's not true. We need to teach our kids that. We need to teach our church that. We need, to, we need to ingrain that in our heart as we take these things and we bring it to God's word and we test it. We know that as God's word comes, we can take everything to God's word. And if it is, it is true, it is true. And if it's a lie, it's a lie. What should we do with it? Look what he says. He says that's part of the Antichrist. Have nothing to do with it. If you test something by God's word and it's not true, he says do not have anything to do with it at all. It's the spirit of the Antichrist. Here's a question for you. If you know something's not of God, do you pay attention and affection to it? Listen, for us as Christians, it's not that we go out and we blatantly go against God. It's that we go out and we compromise. We compromise because we say, well, we'll take the good with the bad. And let me tell you what ends up happening. You take a whole lot more bad than you do good. And you get tied up with people and relationships and you get tied up with people that are not living for God and not living God's word. And all of a sudden you start to compromise and all of a sudden you take it and you, you just get it more and more and more of it. And it's a slow fade away from God. Let me tell you, when you hang out with people who don't believe in God's word, who don't trust in God, who takes you places away from God, you always lose. You always lose. You can read the Bible time and time again, and you can see anyone who compromises the word of God, anyone who compromises with the world always loses. Then why do we want to play so close to the fence? That's what John is saying. Have nothing to do with it. It's part of the Antichrist. Have no, just leave it behind. It's bad. You never compromise with the devil, and you will always lose, period. You always lose. Listen, as Christians, we need to wake up. We need to discern. And we have the criteria. We need to take God's word. And if it isn't lined up with God's word and it doesn't adhere to what God says in his word, then we need to forsake it. We don't need to have anything to do with it at all. We need to get it out of our life. And if we do that, 
John says we can have victory. You know why we have victory? Look at verse 4. He says, you are of God. Little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God, and we know, he who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and of the spirit of error. If we work backwards a little bit in these scriptures here, we see where it says they are of the world. Listen, do you know why they're so popular? Do you know why they have the number one selling books? Do you know why the majority of the world eats them up and and deals with them? Because they're of the world. They're of the same substance. They're on the same team. They they have the same things, the, the false teachers and the false preachers and the false spirits and those things that are opposed against God. They're all part of the same team. They're all part of the same system. It's the Antichrist that speaks to them. And he said when he speaks to them, he, they hear him because the audience and they accept it. You ever wonder how so many people can believe a blatant lie? You ever thought about that? That you look to him and you say, wow, how could you ever believe? Or, and then you say, how can that many people believe that? It's a deception. It's a delusion. It's something that comes along because they're part of the world system and they accept it because that's just part of their system. And you ever wonder why the things of the world are so widely accepted? Because it's coming from the same person, the Antichrist. It's coming from the devil. And, and they hear these things. And John is saying when you hear them, they hear these things. And they don't hear you because they don't know of who you are, who you talk about. And you think about it for us when we think about the mounting crisis that we have in our country. You think about of all the moral collapses we have in our country. You think about all the people that has fallen for a lie. And these are people that you'd say were Christians or go to church or say people that they believe in God. And you look to them and the things that they believe and the things that they teach their kids and the things that they allow to go on in their homes and their families and churches. You just look at them and go, how in the world could that ever happen? It's because they compromise and they, they don't have the victory in God and they, ha- and they have part of the world system and the Antichrist uses it and they hear it because it's of the same substance and it's widely accepted. Because it's of the world. Not so much for us. But the good news is, it's not the world that we get our victory in. Is that right? That's the good news as Christians. Praise God, the victory in God is not of this world. Listen, we're not trying to win popularity contests. We're not trying to be the coolest person. We're not trying to be the ones who's the most hip or the most woke. We're not the ones who are trying the hardest to, to, to fit in. It's not a popularity. We are, we, are, we are different from this world. We are a peculiar people. We are pilgrims traveling through this land. We are strangers. And we are not to be praised by the world. If you are a Christian that wants to be praised by the world, you have the wrong desires. You're not going to be praised by the world. But the world is not where we get our victory. Our victory is in God. That's what he says. He says, our victory is in the Lord. You are of God. And as Christians... As we hear this and we think about this, it is of God and he is greater that is in you than he who is in the world. Think about that. We have victory because who's in us is greater than he who's in the world. That, That we know where the end of the world is and we have hope and we have joy because greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. And I know it's 4th of July. You guys are thinking about those hot dogs and sausages right now, all right? Listen. We can have joy. And this is something to get excited about. We can have hope. 
I said this before, people ask all the time, well, how in the world do you have hope in this world? How in the world, what would you feel like if you were raising kids now? How would you look to, I'd look the same way I did 100 years ago or 200 years ago. Our hope doesn't come from this world. Our hope comes from God. And let me tell you, as long as God tarries and as long as we are doing the principles of God and as long as we are of God, then greater is he who's in us than anything we could ever face in this world. Anything. And as grandparents, you can have hope and peace and joy for your grandkids because you know God is with them. You know God is on their side. And for us as Christians, when we discern and we do the things of God, we know we have the power of God in us. And we know no matter what comes against us, we can prevail because of who God is. And greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We are the great and mighty God, Jehovah. He, we're part of the Lord God Almighty. We're part of His army. We will overcome because He has overcome. And there's, God is greater than anything we'll ever face or ever come against us or ever be a part of this in the world. Look back in the Bible. God was greater than Pharaoh. When Moses faced against Pharaoh, there was no chance for the nation of Israel. None. There was no chance, but God took and struck them with plagues and they went to the Red Sea and, and Moses even got to the Red Sea and there was no one for, nowhere for them to go. And Moses looks up. You know what God tells Moses? Stand strong, trust in God and keep your mouth shut. That's what he told him. And Moses stood strong and kept his mouth shut. And what did God do? He parted the Red Sea and they walked across on dry ground. Listen, even Daniel in the lion's den. I love that story. God took and put Daniel in a situation where he got put into the lion's den and the king come and he's like, hey, I wonder if he made it. And he leans down there and he says, Daniel, was the God who you serve able to deliver you, Daniel? Don't you love that question? Hey, was the God that you were so crazy to believe, did he, did he, did he save you from the lions? And Daniel proclaimed, yes, God was faithful and he delivered me from the lions. Man, that was the first case of lockjaw in the Bible, by the way. The lions had lockjaw. Can you imagine that? Man, I think of the story of David and Goliath. David had no chance. Just a ruddy little boy. And yet he took his slingshot and he took his, he took his little stones and he went to him. He says, you come to me in the power of the world and the power of the devil. But I come to you in the name of the Lord and the power of God. And he let that stone go and it hit him right in the forehead. And old Goliath went down like a ton of bricks. Man, I wish I would have been a, a person on a hill just to see that. Man, Goliath fell and the armies of God rejoiced. And it was greater was God in David than what was in Goliath. Man, I think about the Pharisees and the Romans. Think about that. They were coming against God and they were coming against Jesus Christ and they thought they had had him. They had crucified Jesus. They had dispersed the disciples and they thought, there goes that Christianity thing. And they put him in the grave and they put the, rolled the stone over top of him. He said, that's no more of Jesus. But on the third day, that stone rolled away. And guess what happened? Jesus come out of that grave. And, I said, and they looked to them and they looked to the Christians and they looked to the world. Now we can look and say, greater is he who was in him than what was in the world. Period. And greater than everything for us in your life, whatever you're facing. Don't compromise with the world. It's not worth it. You're not going to win compromising with the world. That's not where a Christian's victory is. You compromise with the world, you're going to end up like Lot. Lot looked to the world. He sought the world and then he lived in the world. And guess what? It cost him everything. Sure, he got out with his life. But man, he lost almost everything that he had. And it was a shame because he had compromised with the world. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is Samson. 
partly because Samson was the strongest man in the Bible. Man, Samson was a bad dude. He, he would take a jawbone of a donkey and kill 200 people with it, right? He would take the, tear the gates off the city and put them up on a mountain and a hill. And he would say, look at the gates of the city that you think are so strong. I just took them and ripped them off and put them up there at the top of the mountain. Then he met this woman named Delilah. Boys, you be careful meeting women named Delilah. All right? <laughs> Maybe I could have stopped at women. Boys, you be careful meeting women. No, I'm just meeting women Delilah. She came to him and she said, hey, how about that God that you serve? Tell me about him. How do you get your strength? And old Samson, he started playing footsies with the world. Next thing you know, she took him through a series of processes, and she got him broke down and broke down and compromised and compromised and compromised and compromised. It's never just one decision. It's always the small decisions. It's okay to watch that movie. It's okay to look at those websites. It's okay to do the same. No, no one ever starts off by becoming something that everyone thinks is repulsive. It's just the little decisions. It's a little compromise. It's a little decision here and a little decision with there. And next thing you know, you're accepting the things of the world and it pulls you away. And, and Delilah was there and she set him up. And finally, he had told her the truth about where his strength had come from. And the guards come rushing in and Samson jumps up to do what he had always done. Just the great Christian, the great warrior of God. And guess what the Bible says? He didn't even know his strength was gone. He had compromised so much that the Spirit of God had left him and he didn't even know it. He didn't have the strength to do anything. And that's why it's so foolish to say, well, when I get to that point, I'll say no. Or when I get to that point, I could stand up and do this. When I get to that point, no, you can't. You don't even know the Spirit of God is leaving you because you get tied up into the world. And for us as Christians, we need to not compromise with the world. We need to stick with God. And no matter what situation you're facing in your marriage, don't go the way of the world. Don't just say this is another relationship we could try again or try with some. No, you gave a vow. Stick with your vow. Stick with what God says with your marriage, even with your kids. Don't let someone else raise your kids. Don't send them off to someone else. Don't let the world do it. Don't let the church do it. You're commissioned to do it. Same with your grandkids. Same with those things that we're worth fighting for in our, in our country. Don't just say they're always going to be there and we can always stand up. And we can always just, no, don't compromise. Don't compromise because when you compromise, you end up losing it all. All of it. And yet when you stand with God, you know you have something in you that this world can't give. And you are a child of God and greater is he who's in you than who's, who is in this world. And listen, as Christians this morning, I hope you can sit here and have hope and have trust and know that God is able and he can deliver you from whatever you face. Don't compromise. I'm a child of God. Greater is he who's in me than anything is in this world. I said this before, but I'll say it again. I can remember when I was a kid, <clears throat> my brother would make me mad, which wasn't too often. But every once in a while, he'd box my ears. You know, he'd, he'd beat up on me. He picked on me. That's what's wrong with me. But anyways, I can remember I couldn't wait till Dad got home. Because when Dad got home, the, le the, the playing field was level then, right? And I remember he would get behind me and grab my hands. And every time we go to box or something or he'd be picking on me, my dad would take my hands and he would beat my brother up, man. He'd beat the tar out of him. And my dad was doing it, it was just, it was my hands, but really, it was him who was doing it, right? He was behind me, man, I thought I was so tough until my dad went to bed. I was like, oh yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Danny, please. <laughs> that was dad, I'm sorry. <laughs> 
But I didn't have any strength. But yet when my dad got a hold of my hands, guess what? I felt like I could beat up anybody. Man, I thought I could take on anyone in the world because I knew that my dad was with me. And it wasn't me who was fighting. It was my dad who was fighting. Same thing that John is saying here. You look to things and you say they're impossible. You look to our country and say it's impossible. You look to your family and say it's impossible. You look to the world and say it's impossible. Let me tell you, John says it's possible. You know why it's possible? Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. And we can go and we can have joy with our family. We can have peace with our kids and our grandkids. And we can go celebrate because we are a child of God and we're not of this world. And we can have victory because of the victory that God has given to us. Brothers and sisters, John admonishes us, don't believe every spirit. Test the spirits. Maybe you need to go home and just look and think about your life and say, what have I believed that might be a lie? What have I believed that might not test up to the word of God? Because that's the criteria. What does the word of God say about my marriage? What does the word of God say about my kids? What does the word of God say about work? What does the word of God say about these things in my life? And then trust God for the victory. To know that greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. Let's pray this morning.